Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that keeps you up to date with your Houston Texans. It's Texans All Access, of course, here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio at NRG Stadium. I'm Mark Vandermeer, joined tonight by John Harris. I'm in the driver's seat. You're riding shotgun. You have to put up with my lousy driving, by the way. No, I'm okay with that. I've always, I've always told you this. When you and I do radio, sometimes mm-hmm. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong, I love being on the radio with you, but... I love for you to be Chris Paul and me to be James Harden. You know what I mean? See, yeah, you want to shoot like, the rock. It's not so much I want to shoot the rock, but I like yeah. playing off the ball a little bit better. Yeah, but me being Chris Paul, Chris Paul sometimes likes to shoot it a lot, too. You do, and, yeah. you, do, and you do a great See? job, but then we've got a flip-flop, and then sometimes, which is funny because when I play basketball, mm-hmm. I play not even like Chris Paul. I play a little more like Rajon Rondo. I couldn't care less if I score. Like when oh, we went to Cincinnati yeah. – we went to Cincinnati and we played that Thursday. You still fill up the rim. No. Come on. I, You're not Rajon Rondo. You're Stefan Marbury. <laughs> You're that. Oh, Way more. That oh, is so bad. You know, it's I funny wish. because like one time when I was at UMass, the ABC affiliate there did a feature on me, which was mm-hmm. which was nice. And I've got it somewhere on like VHS still. I, oh, really, you gotta pull I, that. You gotta I need to that transfer out. that. You do. And Jack Lehman, who I've told you about before, yeah. he was the coach at UMass back in the day with uh, Dr. J and Rick Pitino. Anyway, and he's this old Boston guy. And the uh, guy doing the feature said, isn't Vandermeer kind of like a point guard? Because he's got you. We had a three-man booth. And he's got Tony Barbie, who was doing the games with us at oh, the time. Yeah. He's, and, and Jack said, point guard? He's like one of those point guards who shoots the ball a lot. <laughs> You know, so you had to be there, but it was kind of funny. That's you're, what you are when you're when you're uh, driving. I'm like Iverson. You're, you're, I'm like you're Iverson. Iverson. Okay, you're scoring, you're dishing. <laughs> you know, you're, you're you are kind of like Harden though. You get a lot of assists, get a lot of baskets. When I know? play real basketball, I love. I I don't like to shoot because I don't work on shooting as much. But I can I can see everything on the floor. I get the ball to people that can shoot like you and all of our guys. And by the way, we're gonna we have to take our show on the road. We gotta we gotta find we gotta find whether it's the scouts or coaches. We got to see who come up on an off day to the summit and take us on. Oh, at the Greenbrier, yeah, our legendary, yeah, legendary in our own minds, of basketball game. That's all that matters, right? That's all that matters. And speaking of basketball, Jeff Van Gundy's going to be on the Vandermeer's View podcast Wait, this week. What? He's scheduled to appear, I should say. Ooh. Yeah, Jeff is going to come in here. He's a season ticket member, and he's been so for a long time. And he's a big Texans fan, so we're going to talk football with Jeff Van Gundy. How about that? Now, I'm sure basketball will come up in the conversation and the differences between the two sports and that kind of thing. It's going to be fun to catch up with Jeff. And uh, you, I mentioned his name previously, and you said Stan or Jeff because I mentioned the last name Van Gundy. Of course, I was joking. Yeah, I know. But it's funny because like, when I was at Miami, Stan used to go to the Hurricanes baseball games a lot with his oh, kid. Wow. And that's when he was an assistant with the Miami Heat yeah, under yeah. Pat Riley. Yeah. So uh, it was fun to actually meet him back then because he was a listener of WQAM, the flagship mm-hmm. of the Hurricanes there. And so that's where I met him for the first time. It was kind of fun. I went to a, I had a dinner. Our buddy, Lance, had put this d- dinner together where he brought in basically all football guys. Yeah. And then Jeff Van Gundy. And it was six of us. It was Chris Ballard, who's a GM. Uh, with the Colts, who was Alonzo Highsmith, who is now what second in command in Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah. Uh, with uh, John Dorsey, who we worked with in Green Bay. It was also John Hoke, who was with the the Texans at the time. And it was me, it was Lance, and then it was Jeff Van Gundy. And I I remember what a crew. I remember Lance putting that dinner together, and I thought, really? Like this is an interesting crew. It's like all football oh, guys. And, Van Gundy's gonna fit right. And he in. goes, John, you will. He said, Van Gundy loves talking football mm-hmm. he was picking guys brains all night about the the game of football and of course he told some 
tremendous stories. Yeah. Great stories. And he was so fun. I was sitting right next to him. He was telling a, he was telling a story about something that happened with a player, and I'm literally falling out of my chair. And he's like, grab me. He's like, no, no, I'm telling you the truth. I was like, I know. That's what makes it great. But he, he'll he be great for a podcast. Oh, he'll be, he'll awesome. be great. You know, a couple of years ago, I took uh, Vanderkid to a game at Rice because, you know, it's so great to go to yeah, a yeah. game, at, basketball game at Rice. Yeah. Or football, for that matter. But, you know, you really get great seats. Yeah. You know, it's a small building. Anyway, you know, up in the corners, Van Gundy just watching the game. You know, just checking it out. Just That's watching awesome. the game by himself. How many know, games he lives you, in the neighborhood, basically. How many Texans games do you think he gets to? I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I would imagine once the NBA season starts, not as many. But yeah. ABC and ESPN, the schedule's not as heavy in the fall, I yeah. would think. Although, I think the Christmas Day game is kind of really when it kicks off that well, I can remember. No, I think they're doing a lot of games, but not. As many. Some before that, but not too yeah, many. Yeah, not as many, but, you know, it's just that kind of thing. It's a long season, man. I feel like the NFL season's too short. However, when I'm in it and you're going through <laughs> what you are going through last year, oh. it feels – well, last year felt especially long for obvious oh reasons. But still, I just feel like the wear and tear – when you work here in the building, and we've said this from time to time – you see the wear and tear on the players. You actually yeah. visualize it every day. You see what they're going through. You, guys limping around. Guys have injuries. Guys are trying to rehab. Guys get here early. They're meeting with Jeff Kaplan and Roland yeah. Ramirez. And we see it from a different perspective. You know, and I get it. You know, the fans are just, you know, listening to sports talk radio, reading whatever they're reading. And on Sunday, they expect you to be ready. But they know intellectually that they go through this whole process. But we see them go through the whole process. Yeah, to see guys shuffling from the locker room to the sports performance center and back and to the training room and back. And some guys can barely walk at times. Yeah. And you're like, okay, we got to play on Sunday at And then 12. they play. How is this guy going to play? And it's then amazing. somehow, magically on Sunday, and I say magically, I put that in air quotes because it's not magic. It's it's combinations of what Jeff Kaplan and his staff do, the player getting ready, the team obviously practicing later in the year. And later in the year, it's, it's remarkable. I remember in 2014, my first year in the building, and, and I had been around – I mean, obviously I had been around college football teams, having played with one, all that kind of stuff. So I've seen guys – you know, this guy's got a broken foot, but he's still trying to play. And, you know, I'd seen that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But seeing the players late in the 2014 season, my first in the building, and on Monday in particular, or or even Wednesday, like they'd win a game and they'd come in on Wednesday, and you could just see them. I mean, it would be three days from the, when they had played, and some of them could barely barely move, yeah. barely walk. And I thought, man. And then there they were on Sunday, yep. ready to go. Sunday, full board, didn't have a What's concern. What's the worst thing you well. played through? Oh, I – I now it's called a shoulder separation, but at the time it was called an AC joint, and I mean it, it, that's what it is. It's the AC joint, but they called it a shoulder separation back then. They called it a sprained AC joint. I sprained the AC joint on my shoulder. I went to go make a tackle in a game against, uh, I think it was against Bucknell, and I landed. Bison. I landed on it, and I'd never felt pain like that in my entire life. And so later in the year, and I'd also at the beginning of the year had had ripped up my hamstring. Luckily, I didn't tear it off the bone or anything like that, so I was able to come back. But, man, in the game I'm playing with, that sprained AC joint, I can barely move my left shoulder. I'm playing with a hamstring I can barely cut on. But I'm like, you are not taking me out of this football game. Like, I mm-hmm. I, I am playing. Because I, I didn't start. I was a key backup. I didn't get to start. I was starting. I was playing. I was playing well. I was like, you are not taking me out of this lineup. Yep. Not at all. And that entire week leading up to that game, I couldn't sleep because every time that I would land on my shoulder, 
I would get this shooting pain through my Ooh. shoulder, and I just would wake up almost screaming and just doing everything I could to not wake up my roommates, just screaming in pain. And so I, could, I couldn't sleep. And then I went out there and had one of the best games I'd ever ever had. A team we didn't play well, but I, I played pretty well myself. And so it created more playing time for myself. But I played with that shoulder and that hamstring for probably ne- for the ne- rest of the season, which was probably another five weeks. How does it feel now? Does it flare up? It does now and then, yeah. Like when it rains or something. The sh- shoulder, <laughs> in particular. Like if I, like if I reach back for something kind of unknowingly, and I just kind of reach back with my left shoulder. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll just uh, all of a sudden it'll just die. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll, I'll reach back and it'll pop, and I'll be like, oh, and Ouch. I just feel that pain through there. But You're like Nick Nolte in North Dallas forty. Yeah, bones I'm, cracking when you get yeah. out of bed. And I mean, that's minimal with some. I mean, some of these guys that are playing oh, yeah. with. I mean, you know, the the you know JJ in twenty fifteen played with that big black bulb cast yep. and he was playing with the the ab issue uh core issue that he had and the groin i mean seeing clowny every single sunday as the year goes on there's like more tape on different body parts like oh man his wrist is taped up his ankles are taped up oh he's got tape over i mean it's it's remarkable to see what these guys go through and then are able to play on a sunday all right a few things i wanted to bring up and in no particular order you mentioned clowny and i just visualized the smile that he had when deshaun watson threw the touchdown pass to will fuller and i saw it up close and personal on film anyway in the nfl film special that we aired on sunday night oh yeah on against ABC seattle 13. yeah against yeah. seattle yeah and it'll re-air by the way saturday night 11 o'clock abc 13 on texans 360 we will re-air the nfl films texans 2017 special which is all Watson, basically. It's a little Hurricane Harvey, and then Watson goes nuts for six and a half games, and then, oh, by the way, they went four and 12 and wait till next year. But that's exactly. the special. So it's fun because you have a lot of mic'd up stuff. You have yeah. Hopkins talking, Watson talking, O'Brien talking, Clowney talking, and all the great highlights of the year. So there's a lot of great footage. And Clowney's smile, you know, he's got that million-dollar smile yeah. when, uh, when Watson's going nuts, on several occasions, actually. But the... It's funny, we were doing the greatest plays in franchise history, and mm-hmm. this is not one of them, but we talked about great plays in a loss, and man, the Kansas City game and the Seattle game and the New England game, oh. it's just, it's amazing the level of excitement we had in six and a half games. You know, it's incredible. It was like, that was the season, and it was a, that six game, never mind the half, because that was the second half against yeah. Jacksonville, but that six game stretch with Deshaun was one of the most enjoyable stretches of Texans football ever. I mean, I'll put that six games up against almost any Texans, almost any Texans season. The amount of scoring. You know, you're looking at the highlights and you're like, oh, I want to see these Seattle highlights. And you you almost forget that it was a loss because right now, you know, a lot of water has passed under the bridge and it's still a painful loss. But, man, the excitement. That pass, 59 yards to Will Fuller. I want to get the metrics on this because that might be the longest in the air pass that the Texans have ever thrown. I thought about that. I was. I, it was funny as I, I was listening to you. You turned top ten plays into a podcast, and so I listened to it the other day, and it was really cool to hear you call the Billy Miller play because a lot of the plays that I can go back on, I can hear, and I have heard because I brought mm-hmm. them up, but it only goes back so far. So I don't know that I had ever heard that your call of the touchdown. Uh, Billy Miller, yeah. Yeah, the Billy Miller touchdown. So that was really cool. So I was listening to podcasts, and I got to thinking about all the different top tens you could do, and I thought about deep plays, like long yeah. plays. Long, cause, cause top you ten mentioned, deep passes. Yeah, and I thought about top ten deep passes, and I went, well, that would be kind of a short list. How many, man, how many deep throws would be on there? And then I did the Not same many. thing. I was like, 59-yarder to Will. 
<laughs> the game against Kansas City, and I thought, man, there's that, there's not a lot. I mean, when you think there's about not a lot actual, at all. All right, so I think there was a 59 or 60 yarder to Andre Johnson in the Denver game, Week Three, 2012. Yep. Job to Andre yeah, yeah, Johnson, yeah, yeah. but I think most of it, I think it was like a 40 yard pass or something right. like that. And I, boy, I really need to watch it now. But it wasn't like 50, 55 yards in the air. Right, right. And that hot. Uh, the Watson to Fuller was at least 60 in at the least, air. At least because, because he was it, in the shotgun and then he stepped back and then launched from there, basically. Yeah, and he landed at the goal line right in the end zone. So it wasn't like he got it at the 10 or 15 and ran in, right? I believe it was like No, right, he caught it right at the goal line. Yeah. And I, I couldn't tell that, but I knew I was standing right in line with the line of scrimmage. So when he launched it, my eyes immediately went downfield and I saw Will and I was like, oh, man, he's got him. And then I think you and Nicole say he's got him. But then I did the math later on. I went, 75, 75, yeah. He threw that thing like 65 yards in the air. And yeah. he heaved it. Heaved it. I mean, launched it. So, Rosenfels went 50-plus to Andre Davis at the end of the Titans. Um, yeah, the Baronis Titans game. game. Yeah, the Baronis game in 07. That was a long pass. That was probably 55. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. That was pretty good air. distance. Yeah, that was, that was a good distance. Uh, I was trying to think of some of the other ones. And, you know, NFL Films captured that really well. And then they capture Clowney on the sideline. Yep. And the camera's behind – one camera's behind him. And you see the ball. You see the arc. Mm-hmm. And it's just – it's so it's so wonderful to I mean, watch. it's majestic. It really is. It I mean, really to is. watch a good deep ball – to thrown. question Watson's arm strength is just insane. It's ridiculous. Come on. I mean, he. There's so many. There's there are a few nice things about that play. It's funny you brought that up because if you watch, they have a camera on Clowney, and you could see me go running on by because I got to get down there for the extra point. And I was like, I haven't had to do this ever. For the most part, <laughs> I've never had to go from one end of the field to the yep. other end of the field to see these guys celebrate. Like I've never had to do that. But you can see me go running by when they show Clowney. But he doesn't get that ball off if at the last second Lamar Miller doesn't see Dwight Freeney. Freeney's coming off the edge, and he and Lamar sees him and gets just enough. And, and Deshaun feels him, so he moves up in a pocket. And that kind of gave him a little bit of a crow hop and then, and then let it fly. And I just remember seeing that ball in the air. Like, man, that ball's thrown a long way. A long, a long way. way. But it's Is almost it more impressive on TV, though. When you see it on TV and you see how just how long and I always compare every long throw that I've ever seen I compare to Cordell Stewart's Colorado versus Michigan throw because to me to I don't Westbrook. think any throw was ever farther in the air than that one. That one mm. in the air was 75 yards. No. It was 75 yards. I've gone back, I've counted it numerous times. It was 75 yards in the air and I remember seeing the highlight for the first time that thing is launched. It is. I mean, I'm watching the highlight, and I remember. It, 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 the reason I remember this to this day, 1994, Miami's playing Washington in the Orange Bowl. Right. Miami's 58-game home winning streak gets Snapped. broken. And at that time, regional games were taking place. So I'm in Florida, so I'm getting the Miami-Washington game. Well, my parents are here getting the Michigan-Colorado game. So they're, they're taping it for me so I can right. see it. And then they pop up the highlight, and they show where the ball is, and I'm like, how do they win this one? And then I see Cordell throw the ball. That's, that, I compare everything to that. That was in that way. It wasn't as far, but it had that same feel, just seeing the majestic arc, this parabola in the air. It was incredible to see, and hopefully there will be more of that. And with a guy like Will Fuller, who, by the way, 
I don't know if you noticed, there was another, uh, there was another video, another uh, video of him working with Equinemia St. Brown's dad, John Brown, former bodybuilder, doing some twenty one gun, oh, no. uh, gun Will, salute. The curls. Will Fuller's going to come in here all jacked up. He's oh, not going to yeah. be able to move. He's going to be like Hans and Franz. He just has to be able to catch the ball and run by everybody. I think he'll be able to do that. All right, John Harris stays with us. I didn't forget about a couple of other long passes you guys are thinking about, so I'll, I'll refresh those. Plus, a few weeks ago we talked about the road games and how those might go down. What about the home schedule? It is challenging to say the least, and it doesn't get started for quite a while, actually, in the regular season anyway. It's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you tonight on Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Great to have you along for the ride. All right, last segment we were talking about, among other things, long touchdown passes in Texans history, like through the air, not just long receptions. And now, I have not forgotten about Arian Foster, 78-yard touchdown receptions. He had two of them in 2011, but those were catch and runs. Yeah. And I do remember this one, though. It was so significant at the time. Week one, 2007. Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson, because it was play. It was one of the most beautiful plays. It was just a. It was, it was textbook Kubiak play action. Guy gets wide acre open in the secondary, and Schaub just heaves Andre Johnson the ball, and he's got 77 yards, I think, on that reception. And at the time, he had not had anything longer than, say, 56, I think it was, or it was in the 50s. That was his career-long reception. Week one with Shaw, once they got a quarterback in here who could throw the ball deep and, you know, understood the system and could operate it really well, week one under Kubiak – with Schaub, anyway, that was Schaub's first game as a Texan. They go seventy-seven yards, and it was his first touchdown pass. Yeah, I was my it was my first game here. Oh yeah, one play drive, got the ball to twenty-three, went seventy-seven yards. That was my first. That was my first game here. So I had the number right, seventy-seven, seventy-seven yards exactly. Good. Yeah, that was uh, Schaub's first touchdown. But I think that even landed. I mean, landed in his arms at like the thirty or yeah, something. he still had like twenty or twenty-five yards yeah. to run at that point. Whereas Will, the two, the deep balls, all deep balls that Will caught last year mm-hmm. were all caught in the end zone. It wasn't as if he caught them about the just tw- 25 or 20-yard line and then ran it in, which I still want to see. I still want to see him with the ball run away from somebody, but he's doing it before the ball even gets there. When he did that against Seattle, just going back, and we did a film room, I believe, on that play, you can see the moment when you know, oh, he's got these guys beat. Really? Uh, and Earl Earl Thomas in the middle of the field just hesitates for a split second. And then I'm Fuller not, runs by him. And that's it. And Fuller just yep. runs right by him. And it wasn't as if – I mean, it was a it was a skinny post. Mm-hmm. And by skinny post, I mean it was almost a straight line. But he went got inside the corner and then realized Thomas was kind of, kind of hunkered down, and he just took just off. Just ran. Just took off and ran to a spot. And Deshaun threw it – if I remember correctly, Deshaun threw that ball – about a yard when Fuller was a yard or two just beyond Thomas. Like, he knew once he saw Thomas kind of hunker down, he knew exactly where he wanted to go. All right, so how many touchdowns Fuller in four games? Seven? Seven. I mean, that's ridiculous. In 13 catches. And and Andre, they play Andre Weir's comment in the NFL film special where he Mm -hmm. says, well, this is becoming quite a combination. Deshaun (laughs) Watson to Will Fuller. 
And then you're looking at Hopkins catching all these touchdowns, and you're thinking, well, wait a minute. We got a, We have several combinations brewing here yes. of Deshaun Watson throwing to whoever he wants to, right. and it's going to be very prolific, that combination, yeah. those combinations. It's interesting you bring up bring up Dre. I saw, uh, I saw Omar the other day, and he was like – he he was putting together he was putting together essentially the the script for NFL films each team yeah. kind of puts together the script of how they they want to come up with things and they pull the radio calls and so Omar was listening to some of the radio calls and he was like Man, y'all get so excited to boost some of these calls we can't even play. And he was like the clowny fumble return against New England. Oh, yeah. When, he, when you start describing clowny to the 15-10, you hear Dre in the background He's clapping. clapping. Yeah, and the crowd's going quiet because it's oh, at New England. Totally and they're quiet. just stunned. They're like, wait a minute. No one's supposed to do that. Exactly. Just, you, just, you just got somebody's arms around right. Tom Brady and got it's the illegal. ball out. Yes. It's illegal what you just did. No, it was perfect. That's but- Tommy Brady. You're not supposed to do that to him. Anyway, oh. all right, let's do the home games here. The ho- A few weeks ago, we did the road games. Yeah. This is – the home games. And it's significant because you open on the road back-to-back. And we talked about the difficulty of the Patriots and the Titans back-to-back games away from NRG Stadium to begin the season. You don't come home till De- till December. <laughs> that would be something. Wow. till September 23rd. September 23rd against the New York Giants. And who knows how they might be. I love McAdoo's comments, by the way, on the Giants. Very like, interesting. I don't know who interviewed him but he had a lot to say obviously about peter, his team well peter king interviewed him i don't know if those comments were all to peter king but i know he's done a couple of interviews peter king was one because peter king's new new mmqb football night in america is that what it's called now it's football it's morning in america something like that football morning good in america. morning american football it was Hello. really good i mean it was typical peter king stuff i mean he had interviews with aaron Rodgers. He talked with Ben McAdoo. Basically, Ben McAdoo for Peter King wrote in his own words. It wasn't Peter uh-huh. King writing an article. It was all from, from Ben McAdoo. And it was very introspective. But I don't know who he did the interview with, but boy, he does not like Nate Solder. He thinks Eric Flowers is not very good. Mm-hmm. He did not speak very well to NFC East, which I was like, oh, I hope he's right. But he also said that he backed up the Giants in not taking a quarterback early. Yeah. Like he backs up Eli, even yeah. though they had those issues last year. Well, here they are. They're going to be at the Texans on September 23rd. And I don't know what to expect out of the Giants. I know two years ago they were a playoff team. Yep. And last year they were terrible. The coach gets fired. And here they are. At NRG Stadium, September 23rd. Look, you got Eli Manning. You know, it's funny because when you went there in 2014 at the Meadowlands, I didn't think that much of the Giants then. Right. And I think that game, you know, every game's winnable. That game slid out of control. You know, late in the first half, we all remember what happened. Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterbacking was what, week two or three of the Bill O'Brien era? Was that week three? It was week three. 2-0 had beaten. Oh, yeah, 2-0. Raiders and the Redskins. Right. Right. Yeah, and then you go to the Giants and you lose that one. Could have played a whole lot better, but I, I still think Eli Manning's just such a hot and cold quarterback. He can get hot and make life miserable for you, but in this building, I like your chances to get some pressure on him, and I do remember the last time he was here, it was 2010. It was not pretty at all. You went three and out in your first defensive series, then after that, he just lit up the Texans. Obviously, a very different era, a very different situation. Well, that 2010 defense allowed a lot of quarterbacks yep. to light it up. Uh, which is not something we need to expand upon. Mm-hmm. But of all the teams the Texans will play, especially the first half of the year, just thinking out loud of the teams they're going to face, 
I don't know that they're going to face a more talented group of st- skill guys wow. than the Giants. You think about Odell Beckham Jr. being back. Yep. you got Sterling Shepard. You've got Evan Ingram at tight end who is going to be a monster. He already is. He's a very difficult matchup What about for the anybody. running backs? I read an article yesterday about their talented stable of running backs, like just a harvest of uh, a bounty of running backs that they have. Saquon Barkley. Jonathan Stewart and then Wayne Gallman, who was a teammate of Deshaun back I mean, at Clemson. Ugh. They can hit you with those. But again, Nate Solder at left tackle, mm-hmm. who last year Whitney Merciless ran right around to get to Tom Brady. Will Hernandez is a rookie at guard. Brett Jones, if he wins the job at center, nobody's heard of. John Jerry has been up and down for years. And then you got Eric Flowers, who couldn't make it a left tackle. They're going to try and make a right tackle. So Eli, if everybody's healthy going into that ballgame, Mm-hmm. And by healthy, I mean all you know the three key guys plus everybody up front, so yeah. they can run a number of guys at Eli. He's the type that if he's getting that pressure, he's going to throw you one or two. The problem in 2014 was guys guys couldn't get to him yeah. because at that point it was ju- it was really it was just it was JJ and Whitney really hadn't gotten to be Whitney at that point. Yep. So it was really just JJ getting the quarterback, and they double teamed him, and he he didn't get a lot. Of, he wasn't able to get pressure because mm-hmm. they were spending so much time, and I think he still had a sack in that game. But that was the thing that worried me about Eli back in fourteen because the two games prior to he had done nothing. I think the Giants were only two heading in, and it was the same thing on the first drive. I believe the Texans had slowed him down, and then the second drive he started getting hot. He had Victor Cruz on a crosser that ended up going oh, in the end yeah. zone. I remember thinking. Dang it, that's it. That's going to give him what he needs to kind of get going. But if you can get that pressure on him, he's going to throw you a couple. And you know where he's going to be. He's not going to move around on you. It's not going to be like Deshaun. You you can rush past Eli and get back to him. You can take some chances as a pass rusher because Eli's not going to hurt you running out of the pocket. He might move up in the pocket a little bit, and that's fine. But he's not going to, he's not going to embarrass you leaving the pocket. But the skill guys, the skill guys scare me. But – if you can up front win that battle up front and win it significantly, then he doesn't have time to get the ball to all those guys. I think no matter what happens in the first two games, two and zero, zero two, one and one, people are going to be sky high for this. Absolutely, game. you know. I mean, even zero two, you know, it's not over at all. You get the yeah. Sean Watson coming in here; it's oh, going to yeah. be fun. And to that end, I think of the first game last year, and it was funny. You talk, uh, we talked to a, with a bunch of players after that game, leading into the New England game, because obviously going to New England, you know, we were. A, heavy underdog going into that one but I remember the players saying we're just going to play a football game yeah we're just going to play a football game as opposed to week one where it was carrying the city of Houston on your back right and you don't at that point really know how good the Jaguars are not that you took them for granted or anything but with all that had gone on being at in West Virginia then having mm-hmm. to deal with the hurricane and all the after effects of that you felt like you were playing a game that was not not your true life Sunday game. Just your wake up, let's go play this. It felt like you were playing for so much more. There was so much more on their shoulders. That was a weird and deal. And didn't play well. And didn't play well at all in that game. You know what was weird about that game for me personally? I had to drop tickets off at a friend's house mm-hmm. in Bel Air. And driving through Bel Air before going to the game, and a lot of guys live in Bel Air, yeah. I just, it felt really strange yeah. because you see the devastation of yep. the hurricane. Exactly. You know? And there were areas hit harder than Bel Air, but Bel Air was hit pretty hard. Yep. You know, A lot of people I know flooded and not a ton. It wasn't like, you know, Memorial and Eldridge in that area yeah. that just was underwater by six feet because of the reservoir situation. But it was still, 
you know, everybody had debris out everywhere, and it just felt like, all right, we're going to go play a football game today. This yeah. is going to be different. And I just think it had an effect somehow. Anyway. I, I, I agree with you. Absolutely. That um, uh, and, and, look, the Jaguars were phenomenal last year. Let's just hope for the best here. We'll get to that home game in a moment here. So Giants, you open up at home. We're doing the home games with them September 23rd. Then you're back on the road at Indy. Then you host the Cowboys on October 7th, which is going to be – Epic. I mean, this is going to be wow. World War Three type stuff, sports context-wise. This is going to be fun to watch. It'll be really interesting to see, obviously, how both teams are doing at that point. Yeah. The health situation. You could have Prescott, Watson, Elliott. I mean, you think of all the stars in this game on the Houston side, on the Dallas side. It's just going to be really fun to watch this matchup unfold. I was thinking about this the other day at the end of my run. I was thinking about that game in particular and thought, holy smokes. I that's Sunday night. That's the kind of game that I remember in 14 you told me when you're like, you know, want you to do the sidelines and you're going to have opportunities to do Monday night games. And I remember being in Pittsburgh and you're like, hey, your Monday night game is what I talked about. I was like, yeah. These are the kind of games you look at and go, I'm not, I'll never forget this. Right. Dallas at home, Sunday night game, wow. I don't yeah. know how much better it gets from that perspective unless you just lambaste the Cowboys, which would be great on national TV and really make a statement at that point. It's like point. a bowl game. But it really is. I mean, it's and in, in the fact that it's only, it's every four years. Yep. The last one up there was – I say this to people, you know, you talk about losses that you remember. That one to this day remains one that is, is – not not a head scratcher, but it was like it's one I'll never forget because it was like a fifty fifty crowd. I don't anticipate a fifty fifty crowd in here, but it was a fifty fifty crowd that day, which made it like a bowl game. Yeah, which it which was weird to be in an NFL stadium, and Tony Romo has to go to a silent count because our fans are so loud. It was unbelievable. The amount of red when the Texans tied oh. the game. The amount of noise it was really memorable. It was unbelievable. And so heartbreaking to lose that one. Anyway, that's October 7th. A week later, you get the Buffalo Bills here. So you want to talk about trap game. I'm not going there, but I will. You have the Cowboys, and two weeks later, you have the Jaguars Mm -hmm. on the road, which is humongous. In between, you have the Bills. I don't really believe in trap games in the NFL. I mean, if you're cruising along through your schedule – I think the fans will look at it that way. The coaches cannot possibly let you look at it that way. Yeah. As a fan, you hear all the talk from media all week long. Ah, you yeah. should get this one. You should get this one. Right. I can't imagine players ever feel that way. But maybe they do. Maybe they do. I now, would the imagine Bills player- might be really good, though. They went to the playoffs last year, and yeah. look, they're they trying to get better, too. And you have no idea what's going to happen with the Sean McCoy situation, whether he'll go on a commissioner's exempt list, whether – There'll be charges dropped, charges brought. Who knows what's going to happen? But I'll say this from an offensive perspective. If Deshaun McCoy is not playing for the Buffalo Bills, that's going to be an offense that won't average more than 14 points a game. Hmm. Now, they'll be very talented defensively. I think their safeties are very good. Jordan Poyer and Mike, Mike Hyde, Tredavious White. That's going to be a great challenge for this passing game to go against that really, really good secondary. That's going to be a good one from that standpoint. But – if Jacksonville gets off hot and the Texans get off hot and beat Dallas, then I can guarantee you that 
the city will be looking forward to Jacksonville. Oh my God, we'll be looking forward to Jacksonville. There's no, there's no yeah. doubt in my mind, and the players will as well. Look, these players know each other. I mean, Deshaun yeah. and Jalen Ramsey; those guys are tweeting at each other in the offseason. They know each other. It'll be up to Bill O'Brien to say, "Listen, guys, you got a this game. It's a really that. big challenge. It's mm-hmm. the Bills. They went to the playoffs last year for the first time in forever, yep. and they're going to be tough to beat." Okay. Next home game, the Dolphins on a Thursday night. Why do I get a vibe that a certain former Texan could end up playing in this one? Maybe it's just like my imagination working over time. Who knows? We'll also go around the league and talk about what else is happening in the NFL. It's Texans All Access. We keep rolling on Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. We've been going over the home games. We went over the road schedule a few weeks ago. Going over the home games in detail, and we've already talked about opening with the Giants, the home opener with the Giants after the road start of back-to-back games away from NRG Stadium, the Cowboys game, the Bills game. Well, after a date at the Jaguars, which we went over in great detail a few weeks ago, the Dolphins come calling on a Thursday night. And here's the significance here, Johnny, that you have a Thursday night game, which we all know Thursday night games are tough. At least you have this one at home. But it's after a road game at Jacksonville. Who knows what happens in that one? You might really – you're going to need every game. Okay, whatever. You might really need this one. I'm being overly dramatic there. But the Dolphins come calling – and every time I visualize this game, I see Osweiler playing for the Dolphins somehow. <laughs> I don't know how this happens. He might not even make the team. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is their starting quarterback. But uh, who knows? Maybe the Brockster finds a way to get in there. But anyway, you have the Dolphins on a short week at your place. I do like this an awful lot. They're the ones who have to yep. travel, eat up a, a whole Wednesday traveling, come here, crazy fans at NRG Stadium for a primetime game. Let's go. The last two years, Miami's had to go on the road on a Thursday night game. They got smashed two years ago against Cincinnati when they mm. were wearing, like, orange. They were wearing orange, and the Bengals are wearing all white in the color that. rush. I'd rather go all teal. Last year, they went to Baltimore, and they Ooh. ended up losing in game 40 to nothing. So I would imagine Adam Gaze is not wanting that kind of performance on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. That said, the reality of the situation in Miami is – with whether it's Ryan Tannehill or Brock, who by the way, will, by the way, will wear number eight. So oh gosh, so Brock here <laughs> wearing, wearing number, number eight. eight. <laughs> <laughs> chew, chew on it's, that for a little it's bit. Too people. good. It's, it's too, chew on that. But look, it's a it's a Thursday night game. The hope is that you can. And if you remember last year, that Jacksonville game, there were twenty one guys in the injury report mm-hmm. that next day. Or going in because well, they needed uh, an injury report because they were playing on Thursday. Well, it's the same thing. You're playing Jacksonville on a Sunday, and you got to travel there. Then you got to come back and play Miami here. Mm-hmm. And and look, I I the, the Miami lost Dominican Sue up front. They've they've they're not as explosive. They've lost Olivia Olivier Vernon in the last couple of years up front. They're not as good up front as they've been in the past without those guys. I mean, Cameron Wake's still there, but he's what eighty it seems. They'll be athletic. They'll be young. I don't. I think Miami is. I don't know if they're going anywhere with Ryan Tannehill. To be nice, right? So, so the Texans have got to make short work of that group. Just go and take care of business that night. Don't let them hang in the ball game with you. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and take care of business. 
Get them done, get the mini buy, and then get ready for your game right before the break. Mini buy, and the game right before the break is the Broncos. Now, here's the significance of the Dolphins game as far as the home schedule goes. After that, you don't play a home game for a month. A month, because that's October 25th. Right. Then you have the Broncos on the road, then the bye, then the Redskins on the road, and you don't come back until you face the Tennessee Titans in a Monday night game, right? Yep, Monday night after Thanksgiving. So yeah. you go from primetime to primetime. That's that's your third primetime game at home, and you'll be hosting a divisional opponent. They might be doing really well at that point. Look, the Titans are – look, you could make an argument that they should win the division just as you could the Jags or the Texans, and health has a lot to do with it, obviously development of certain players. For the Titans, it would be the quarterback position yep. along with everything else. But that's your next home game, the Tennessee Titans, and we all know what happened last year. That was the signature win of 2017, if there is such a thing, that huge blowout, 43-point victory over the Titans. They're not going to forget that. I know the Titans beat the Texans up there last year. But they'll be remembering this one an awful lot when they come back to NRG Stadium. They'll be asked about it an awful lot. This three-game stretch, you said they October 25th is that Thursday night that they don't play again. Was it, I want to say December 2nd? Or, no, November 26th, 27th, something like that. So they're, they're a month before they get to play another home game. And then it's these three home games in a row. This is where this is where they can make up some ground if they're trailing in the standings. Mm-hmm. This is the, some ground that they can increase between them and a second place team if they're atop the standings. If they're hot, it's also the opportunity right there, not having to travel. Hopefully, getting guys healthy at that yep. point, coming off a of bye week, and then Washington that you can then start to eat for those three weeks. And you've got those three division games at home. It's flipped from last year. Last year, the three division games at home. This year you got the three division games on home in the second half of the year. But, again, making a statement against Tennessee. And I, I've, I've said this about Tennessee. I think, I think it's a good roster. I don't think it compares to the Texans or the Jaguars. And so when you go up against them and you play them at home, hopefully you'll take care of business in week two. But a Monday night game here against the Titans, mm. the first time I was ever on a sideline in an NFL game was the Monday night game in 09. Was 09. Vince Young. And Jerome Boger high-fiving him mm-hmm. at the and end of the game. had to watch a missed field goal. And I remember there was a good friend of ours who was a wide receiver who came on TV with us and was like, hey, kickers. And, <laughs> damn, it happens. Chris missed one that night. But either way. Well, so not I, only did he miss one that night, that was following the miss against mm-hmm. the Colts yeah. at their place yeah, that with an opportunity to go into overtime up there and win yeah. up there for the first time ever, which they were unable to do. Yeah, that. And then the next game against Indy, you led by 17 and lost. Yeah, there's that. Just like the year before, except no Rosencopter in 09. So that was a bad yeah. losing streak for that 09 team. Four games in a row, all in the division. And could have gone to the playoffs with just one of those wins. All in the division. Colts twice, Tennessee, and Jacksonville with the Chris Brown halfback option pass. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen again. But I I think taking care of business against teams that I think the Texans are better than and doing it at home against Tennessee start with that Monday night game, getting that taken care of. And it makes it a little shorter week, but Mm -hmm. it's the last Monday night game we had here. Oh, uh, Monday night game you had here. Don't tell me. Now, the playoff games don't count because – the very the first what both wild card games against the Chiefs and the Raiders in fifteen and sixteen that was the Monday night crew but obviously those are Saturday games so the last Monday night game that was here was what we've had Sunday night games we've had a, a few of those but what was the last Monday night game here I gotta go was it Baltimore in two thousand ten that's 
Uh, oh, man. Because, wait, Colts Sunday night, Colts Thursday night. Mm-hmm. What else was primetime here? Kansas City Sunday night. Yep. Colts in 2016 Sunday night. O'Brien Monday night first year at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yep. And then in 15, well, one of, 16 Fif- was the 15, Raiders. Fi- the Raiders Monday night game in Mexico, Mexico City. Mexico City. Last uh, year was Baltimore. And 15 you had Monday night at Cincinnati. Oh, that's right. Yeah, haven't played a home Monday night game in forever. Boy, this this season, I hope this is the only similarity with the 2010 campaign. That you have the Giants here, the Jets there. Okay, that doesn't happen very often. Uh-huh. You have to think about that because you have AFC, NFC, two teams from New York. Cowboys here. Like Cowboys here. Yep. Well, we have NFC East, so there's that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, no, let's not have a repeat of that record. Does that mean Are we'll th- face Michael Vick at the end of the year, too, of Philadelphia? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now – you're looking at Titans, Browns, Colts, that three-game stretch at home. Then you go on the road back-to-back, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, the Jets and the Eagles, and then the final game of the regular season, which you've been on record saying that you think that, for one of these teams at least, this game won't mean anything, meaning they'll have all the hay in the barn already or the season slid out of control. But I think you meant that they'll have their postseason situation yeah. locked up. Week Texans 16. hosting the Jaguars week right. 16 regular season finale. Yeah, I mean, the 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 finale with the Texans and Jags, I, I, I've tried to figure out I'm trying to figure out, I I want this to be for something in week 17. I want it to be for the division. I want it to be for a number one seed or a number two seed. I want it to be, I want it to be for something. I, I just want that. I want a rivalry to to I don't know the right way of saying it. I would love a rivalry with Jacksonville in particular. Mm-hmm. They talk a lot. They've got a lot of confidence, swagger, if you want to call it that. I I just think it's a it's a natural born rivalry for a number of reasons. The connection with the two coaches, Jalen Ramsey, the guy talks like he loves going against DeAndre Hopkins. Hop loves going against him. Sean Watson's played against Jalen. They talk a lot. Uh, they play a physical style of football. I just think it could make for a really good rivalry. And the fact that it could come down to, I mean, week 17, I was thinking the other day as I was thinking about this game, I thought about it in 1993, 25 years ago, wow. I remember going to watch the, it was the Buddy Ryan game. It was the Buddy Ryan Kelvin Gilbride game. Was going to watch that the finale against the Jets at the Astrodome. Wow! And was with a buddy of mine at the the Holiday Inn that's over here. They had a sports bar down below, and we were watching the Giants and Cowboys. And the winner of that got a buy, and that was '93. So the winner of that got a buy. The loser would host a wild card game the next week, and that was the Emmett Smith game where he banged up his shoulder, but he continued to play. Cowboys win, they get a buy. Emmett gets healthy, they go on and win the playoffs. I was like, man, what about a game like that in Week 17 against the Jags? You win it, you get a bye, which you've always talked about getting, which would be kind of nice, and the Jaguars have to then play a wild-card game at home, which they did last year, but to force that group to have to do it again would be kind of nice as long as you get that divisional playoff uh, bye into the divisional playoff To get a round. bye waiting on a home game, pinch me, all right? Two the weeks. wait will be interminable. Don't, don't it, get me it, wrong. It will be excruciating. It will feel like forever. Two weeks. And we'll have radio shows every single night. But, you know, we have every single night for seven months. Mm-hmm. So I'll wait for a playoff game. Thank you very much. I just want that Week 17 to mean something. The Week mm-hmm. 16, the, the Eagles game, that's the one that I think may not mean as much. Uh, but I think Week 17, that one, if that one's for the whole shooting match, I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. I think that would be. 
I think that would be fantastic. I mean, obviously, I have a connection with the city of Jacksonville. I've got plenty of friends and people that I know there. But I just think these two teams would make for a great rivalry. Not Maybe not Ravens-Steelers quite yet, but let it build over a few years. Oh, get in the postseason. Man. Do a few things. Hey, look, we'll take that every single time. Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. Thank you. Uh, that's going to do it for the show tonight. We'll be back on tomorrow night at 6 and uh, Thursday night and Friday night and every night. Till the end of time, basically, okay? 6 o'clock. You want to tune in right here. And you want to go to HoustonTexans.com to watch all the videos, read all the articles, catch all your coverage of the Houston Texans. Thanks so much for listening tonight. Have a great evening, and go Texans.